COVID update number 10, subtitled, Are You As Tired Of This Shit As I Am? I'm sure you are. On a serious note, before we get started, if you think you're hearing me sober up a little bit for these uh, updates, if you think I'm trying and swinging as hard as I can, uh, I am. I've actually gotten to a point where I do a lot of research, I take notes. I'm not really a note-taker, not for anybody else's benefit at least. Uh, work out, have a power smoothie, all the good stuff before I sit down and hit the record button these days because, surprising me more than anyone else, this has become deeply important to me. And watching the disarray and the dismay in people that I love and cherish, watching the strain of trying to figure out what's going on and not really being able to penetrate planet America, well, in in this period, I have to say, on a personal level, I'm sleeping great. I'm eating great. Ah, I drink so much, too much sometimes, but honest to goodness, um, it, it feels horrible to brag sometimes. Sometimes it feels great because it feels like we're all beating death, even though we're not suffering equally at all, even though I have quite the you know, privileged stockpile that, that lots of people don't have and resources that lots of people don't have. In another way, I, for all of you, at least, who, who care so much about the man behind uh, the mask, as it were, I, I, I just want to say thank you so much for all the encouragement. Thank you for telling me that you're seeing it, that you're seeing me get less rambly in these, that you're seeing me focus more, that you like what I'm citing. As this lets me get to sleep at night and wake up the next day and pet the cat and, you know, get the green tea and the water and the lemon juice going and all the good stuff that's 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 good for me, uh, I, I got to keep it up. I am planning a vacation, first time away sometime in June. It's just a couple of days. I'm going to try and take, like, photographs for you guys and shit. I, I really am going to just try and unplug for a couple of days. Um, and I'm just keeping everything steady until then. I like the direction that I'm heading as a person. I like the feedback that I'm getting from old-time Lady of the Nights, especially the longer a fan has been with me. I like the, the reactions that I'm getting better and better. I feel just so much less stressed, stressed and anxious most days. Um, like, like I said, I actually just got back from a workout before sitting down, culminating the notes that I've been reading the last couple of days and getting ready to record this for you. And I put this little parentheses at the top after I got done with everything that basically says brag a little about you or talk a little about you and say that, hey, man, I'm just surviving until the end of June and then we'll make plans about what's going to happen with all that. I am producing more and more slowly but surely, getting stuff to Allie. I'm producing some of my best stuff ever uh, creatively, uh, creatively. Wow. And I said this is coming not stoned and fucked up. Uh, creatively, I, I really have done my best work so far of 2021 this month in May. Uh, maybe my best work in a while. Uh, I thought so when I turned it in, at least. Um, and it's going to be piecemeal. It's going to come out to you guys little by little because we're still, you know, backlogged. But Allie has been getting the Patreon uh, updated. I have been having a lot of fun on social media for the first time in my life. I'm not anxious. I, I send what I send out there, and if people are... I just ignore them or mute them or whatever, and then I heart everybody who hearts me, and I follow people 
It's uh, it's actually been uh, this, this is how you're supposed to use social media. I know, but this is not how I've used it. I've just used it as portals where I like come out and be like, "This is what I think," and then I disappear again. I'm just like this beautiful creature that you're just kind of hoping that you could stalk a little bit if you're attracted to me in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm trying not to do that so much. I really am trying to fight cave syndrome. Uh, if nothing else, I'm trying to fight it and get into just spectacular shape. Just to shut you all the hell up. I love you so much. Just to shut you all the hell up. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I I read about what the anxieties are, what the doubts are. Shrinks are talking about how they are burnt out about hearing about burnout, and they won't take anybody on who has burnout. So now people are, like, sneaking into shrinks going, like, no, 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 I'm not burnt out. I just started a new job. It's a totally different thing. <laughs> <laughs> further burning out our shrinks ah, there's gonna be so many early retirement stories by 2025 it's unimaginable from where we are right now uh one article that i will not be citing as we transition to get into the actual covid update what i'm reading what i'm thinking and uh, just if you're on planet america especially uh, information that I think is valuable to you because it doesn't really seem to be penetrating this fears, uh, even when major big sources reporting on it still doesn't quite seem to penetrate the collective consciousness. So first thing I want to recommend is The Atlantic, and I believe the tar- title of the article is Everything That's Wrong With American Data. It came out, I believe, May 25th, May 24th. It's a fairly recent uh, end of May, last week or May or so of Atlantic, and it just goes through everything. Hospitalizations, deaths, why they're lagging, why it's different, why the CDC says something different than a state, who determines if it's a COVID death or not, all kinds of shit like that's in there. It's just very practical, it's laid out, and it's just from from one of the few outfits that actually tried to have a COVID dashboard going and actually tried to have something really good uh, happening and, and working with their site. Uh, for for better or worse, it's their observations, and then a little uh, little morbidity conference for one year of data at the end. Going, how do we fucking make this better? It's a great article. Um, if you read it, and you think it's going to support like conspiratorial thinking, or or if it's going to say outright that a million Americans are dead, it doesn't. This is a very very. This is the Atlantic for crying out loud. Left of center, maybe totally entirely, but like you know, left of center like a New York. Times editorial board and like left a center because the center is just Lucifer. Inside the right of America is just demons. Do you know what the term pandemonium translates as? Place of many demons. The house of many demons, the the the, the castle of many demons. There's lots of ways to tra- translate that a boat, I'm told. I'm not a Latin speaker. That's that's what the right wing is. <laughs> so like I'm a centrist It's like, okay, Lucifer. Okay, person from the first circle of hell, great. You're better than all the two to sevens. What do you want from me? And now that I've offended everybody, let's get started. First off, this is more fun for me than it's ever been. And I'm talking about an ever-worsening situation that will destroy or lessen just about everything you love in this world. (sighs) So, the Seychelles and Chile. Boy, you don't hear a lot about these countries no fucking more on the American media. They were just trumpeted, trumpeted, trumpeted back when they were kneeling vaccination rates and uh, beating Americans and what have you. And then, unfortunately, of course, recently, they have fallen out of favor. 
We're going to real quick just uh, sum up from the San Francisco Chronicle. The archipelago of the Seychelles in the Indian Ocean with a population of about 98,000 has fully vaccinated more than 60% of its population. Authors note that 60% of their population, not their adult population, which is the statistic you keep seeing cited in American news. It's also seen its number of active COVID-19 cases nearly double over the past month. The country has closed schools and canceled activities in an attempt to curb the spread. So even after they hit more than half of their population being vaccinated, they still have seen a doubling, especially with international tourism is largely suspected, but a doubling either way, wherever the cause of case of it is. And... They've had to reinstitute curbs like class sizes, like concerts, etc. This is a very difficult situation for the Seychelles in the exact same way it's very difficult for Greece or Italy or even to a lesser degree the U.S. Some countries in this world get a large percentage of their economic strength just through vacation money. And when you think about it, hospitality money, especially if you're a small country of less than 100,000 people like the Seychelles, is great. You bring in just a couple of people with their international currency, they translate to your local currency, and they spend it, and it stays there in your local economy. Right? Not only does it make a lot of sense, but also, some of these places like the Seychelles, they don't have a lot of natural resources. You can't just ask them to build a lot of, you know salt-filled solar mines or what have you. Wow, I have no idea what I was trying to say there, but let's just keep going. Uh, Legitimately, uh, when it comes to some countries like Greece or Italy, the desire to have tourists come in is just going to be there. It's not going to be a selfish desire. It's a survival desire for everybody working in hospitality, sure. But to some degree, the state itself What? 10% of a state's GDP being lost threatens the state? Yeah, sometimes. Isn't that fucked up? (laughs) It's a messed up thing. You don't think going from 100 to 90 would kill you, but it's kind of like oxygen levels sometimes. It's like, yeah, 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 the oxygen level was 80%, so that motherfucker dead. Huh? That's how important the oxygen level is? Ah, shit. It's pretty much the same thing with GDPs. You really don't know how many jobs or how many homeless people you have before people are like, screw it, let's just vote for a referendum to break off this part of the country. Like, you really can't quite tell. The longer the lack of money comes in from a source that's quite expected, like hospitality, where it's seasonal and and it's regular and now it's just all spotty and people are going to be competing for every single dollar, whereas that really wasn't the case with a lot of these economies beforehand. We're talking about a lot of resentment. We're talking about a lot of issues. Rich people are coming in and pretty much being allowed to do what they want, and then the people of the Seychelles are told to sit back and they're told to distance and they're told to shelter in place, you know, the, the, the local nomenclatures for these things. This has been going on in Spain to various degrees all 2021, because Spain is one of those countries that depends on a lot of tourism. Spain's done everything it can, basically, to get the UK to, to allow its tourists uh, to keep coming in. That's how reliant not just on, on foreign money it is, but uh, Spain's economy is reliant specifically on British touristers coming in a couple of months out of the year. That's how reliant something like this is, right? That's how connected the economic value 
of having a tourist open, uh, touristy area open is to some of these economies. Some of these economies are Disneyland with like a police forces, like actual police forces. I know people are going to talk about Disney security, but like actual, like, you know, militaries and shit. <laughs> it's hard to imagine, but some of them are like, you know, tourist trap countries. And the Seychelles is one of them. What is going to happen, I ask you, as the Seychellian elite, as the global elite, really, uh, say, we're going to keep using this as a playground because we're vaccinated and we like it. And these problems keep occurring. We are, again, we're just into COVID. If you believe this, if you're listening to this, there's a chance at least you believe that COVID is just starting. America plan America. It's been past tense for months. For months we've been talking about COVID's over. It's crazy. It's blowing by my fucking mind how, like, navel-gazy it all is. It's part of the reason why I make these, to sound a little bit less crazy outside my head. But even with this crazy past tense notion that Americans have of, we've beat it, I ask you just to consider what it's going to be like going forward. When we hear stuff like, the Seychelles, the, the, the most vaccinated country in the world, 60% of their entire population vaccinated is still doubling up when certain conditions are met on COVID cases. And one out of five of their hospitalized and dead of the Seychellian uh, infected, confirmed by COVID, have been fully vaccinated. Now, that speaks very highly to the effect of any vaccine. We'll get into that in a second. But it doesn't really bode all that well for their efficacy. Because it's already one in five. And unless I'm missing something with all this antibody resistance, and we'll talk more about that with a Nature article later on, but unless I'm missing something, the idea is right after the vaccines and, and what have you, that's when it's the best. About 21 days after that, there's a magical number that always shifts and it's very and you wink. Don't look at it too closely. It'll glitter and change on you. Uh, but in all sincerity, there doesn't seem to, to be a lot of acceptance of this, uh, especially in American media. It's, of just, it's a basic fact. You can San Francisco uh, Chronicle, if you want to read it. The most vaccinated country in the world is seeing a COVID outbreak. Should the Bay Area be worried? I'm cutting up the second part because Planet America is insane. Why, why do you care? San Francisco, shut up. <laughs> Let's just talk about the Seychelles for a second. Same article goes on to talk about Chile. Chile is another example of a country with a high vaccination rate that now is seeing a spike in COVID-19 cases. Its number of new daily cases nearly doubled in April from the prior month, even though the country has vaccinated more than 45% of its population. But the country's experience is another example of the importance of nuance when it comes to saluting vaccination efforts. The main vaccine used among the Chileans was Sinovac, another Chinese vaccine, and data shows that it may be even less effective than Sinopharm. The country released its own study of Sinovac vaccine and found that it was only 16% effective in preventing infection and 38% effective at controlling hospitalizations after one dose, Bloomberg reported. So, basically, this is, this is a narrative that you're going to hear a lot, if you haven't already. You're going to hear this a lot, especially in American media, of, well... No, vaccines are actually good. We just said go get a vaccine, but we didn't actually mean that they were all actually fucking good. 
And it's going to lead to some really interesting uh, double talk because, of course, the implication here is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, not mRNA, is likely even less effective than reported. I'll talk more about the vaccine that Daddy has in a second <laughs> and why that's so important. What this means, uh, with with a little bit of uh, nuance, especially if you look at all the headlines with people banning travel from England because of the Indian variants, like B117 all fucking over again. But even with that, if you look, what the UK is saying is, well, we don't have mRNA vaccines, not many in our population. If you think about the collective antibody response, or CAR, of every nation, the UK and the US have a very different one. If the idea is that these uh, these uh, one to two shots, because uh, they're, they're actually going up to three shots with Sinovac and Sinopharm, I believe, is what they're going to try and sell it on now that <laughs> we're watching country after country with them just get fucking mowed over. I believe that's the game plan. We'll see what it is. I think they're just going to start like spraying it in people's goddamn mouths at this point, just like every time, just <laughs> ugh. As much as you can get into people's veins, I guess, is going to be the goddamn plan at the end of it. <sighs> the UK is now going to be the next test patch. I said that the Seychelles and Gibraltar would be great test patches for vaccines, and if vaccinated societies really just beat this thing or not. Seychelles is not working. Chile is not working. They are more sick than ever. They are hitting all-time highs after hitting tremendous percentages of their population being vaccinated. So vaccines alone are not helping, and the next test patch is the UK. Do we see a double recombinant or triple recombinant, I'm not actually sure how to say it, mutant with known ability to jump 50% faster than B117, transmit 50% faster and better, and also with known escape mutations? Is that capable of puncturing through AZ, the AstraZeneca vaccine that so many Brits have and has been a hope for Southeast Asia, Africa, and other poor, more needy, less infrastructured areas of the world? We'll watch. I said, I said that the Seychelles would be a test patch a couple of months back, and the paint is really coming off that wall real fast. It's like there's a real hot fire or something, and that test patch is showing us something, but we're not really listening. Don't you hope that the information that San Francisco Chronicle is correct that I gave you, that it's just a matter of their vaccines not being as good as our vaccines on Planet America? So do I. Of course, another answer could be that the mutations that get through vaccines are just starting. And even with people having very high vaccine uh, antibody responses going, they're just getting punctured. And it's already started. If already one out of five in the Seychelles are hospitalized, already, because that number is not going to really decrease. There's no real way it could decrease from here. <laughs> Given, given that it's been increasing for a month, the case has been increasing for a month, right? How long the vaccines have been going on, etc. There's not really a lot of ways that it could decrease from here. Don't, wouldn't it be nice with all the money that America's slinging everywhere as a country that we spent just like a little bit of fucking money 
just a little bit of fucking money, sending somebody out there, sending somebody out there just to check, just to do as much data collection sampling as possible, just see what they can get, just send them in blind, not a search and destroy, just check. Let's just make sure that the Seychelles are only having this problem with hospitalized and dying uh, COVID-infected people because of the vaccine profile that they have, and not something else. Unfortunately, we don't have that. We just have to rely on the assertion that is being made, because there is not enough information otherwise. (sighs) So when I say stuff like this, I get really afraid for just one second that people think that I'm a vaccine denier or I'm anti-vax, and I want to assure you I am neither. I have, in fact, gotten my vaccine. I've been not showing it off because I wanted to get my arm in better shape because I'm vain, so I was going to put, a, like, a Band-Aid on my arm because who fucking tell? I mean, it's a fucking needle puncture. You can't tell anyway. And I put it on and be like, I'm fully vaccinated. Look at the guns. Fully vaccinated and a ticket to the gun show? What a day! <laughs> Came off a little bit Matt Berry there. Gosh! I'm not going to make you suffer through a Matt Berry impression. I promise. Uh, the Mix and Max vaccine idea is coming into fruition. It is something that I think is absolutely fascinating as a, a concept. I have learned a fair bit about the vaccines, and I, you know, I guess I understand what the messenger RNA uh, does well enough after trying to read two articles, three articles, like long-form articles on what they're doing in the development and why Moderna and why biotech and yada, 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 yada. Like, really trying to get into that. I think I understand how it's, quote-unquote, tricking our body into making antibodies. Uh, and then there's, like, the Johnson Johnson. I'm probably going to get some of this terminology wrong, but it's got the aerodyneness, and I thought that was that was very cool. And then you've got, like I just talked about, with the Sinos and the AZs. There's all different kinds. Uh, Sputnik as well. Uh, these are just kind of like your old-fashioned. We're just going to shoot you through a bunch of deactivated virus and have your body just, like, your, your T-cell, your immune system, just, like, wail on them. Just devour their corpses. No. <laughs> gain their strength. Uh, and the idea was initially, you know, we one shot. Maybe we should delay it so everybody gets one shot. No, we'll, we'll, we'll delay it for two weeks. It'll be good. Uh, and that whole debate came out on, is it going to be one shot for everybody or two shots for the special? Who do we... It was all of those questions. Well, they may have been largely in vain and a mistake, and maybe other countries will learn from America's mistake. And I quote from an article on Salon entitled, Mixing two different vaccine doses might actually strengthen COVID-19 immunity, not hurt it. I quote, Take, for instance, a recent study performed by a group of researchers in Spain led by that country's Carlos III Health Institute. It found out that vaccinating patients with both the Pfizer-BioTech and Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccines developed a strong immune response against SARS-CoV-2, the virus which causes COVID-19. It goes on a little bit to quote someone from (gasps) San Francisco. There's a big medical corridor out there. That's why the San Francisco uh, newspapers have actually been pretty great to read. They have a huge biotech uh, thing out there, I guess, medical industrial complex. We die for it. It's so, it's so cool, America. Uh, and to quote, 
There were really no potential risks of mixing and matching vaccines, Dr. Manika Gandhi, infectious disease doctor and professor of medicine at the University, University of California, San Francisco, wrote to Salon. We do this all the time for other vaccines and don't even know the brand names of them at this point. Another doctor, Dr. Russell Medford, chimed in to say, for example, there are two main types of vaccines for influenza, an inactivated fluenza vaccine that is administered by injecting a live uh, attenuated, I want to say, influenza vaccine that is given by a nasal spray. Both are effective and safe. So... This is well known. This is well established. Vaccines are not new technology, even if we are using new technologies to make vaccines. And so the concept is emerging. I actually think that this is really fascinating. And can it help? Trials around the world are going on. And even if they weren't scheduled to do so, poorer nations who have less developed medical infrastructure, higher patient-to-doctor ratios on their best days than America has on its worst and all the rest, guess what? They will be practicing with whatever they can jab people fucking with. The very necessary people in their societies. Well, if one week it's Sinovac and the next week it's Sinopharm and then the boosters Johnson & Johnson, guess what? We need them doctors and skilled nurses, so they're getting it. And the experimentation will go on. For anybody worried about it, or anybody who thinks it's some kind of nightmare in case you got it switched or you heard some horror story, they may actually be the most beneficial of us all. The luckiest of the duckiest, if they did happen to get that switch on accident, or if they tried out for it. It reminds me a lot of a movie called Charlie Wilson's War, which has been on my mind for no reason because of Israel and Palestine at all, definitely guarantee you, in which the Taoist master, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, talks about a story in which he says, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Boy, America so confident about its vaccines right now, and yet information like this popping up makes me go, we'll see. Up next, this is a brutal one. India's possible Death count, according to the New York Times. This one hurts. We previously talked about excessive mortality in Russia and what that could tell us. We got more and more information from, uh, you know, articles like The Economist and New York Times talking about global potential uh, estimates of death and, and what those ranges could look like. This is just about India. This is just about New York Times. Uh, and the article is Just How Big Could India's True COVID Toll Be? from March 25th. Uh, I will save you some goddamn time. It is a brutal, long read that really tries to evaluate over something like, I want to say like 30 paragraphs, uh, what really tries to evaluate through through model uh, various models and methods and goes through them step by step. It's just a great article, unfortunately, uh, uh, on Indians' COVID debt. In short, 307,000 dead is the official number. Basically, the most conservative estimate New York Times comes up with, and this is more conservative than just about anywhere I've seen anywhere else, I just have to say, is twice that. They say that the most likely scenarios, however, are between 1.6 and 4.2 million, and they very well could exceed that. 
We're talking about five to fourteen times the official death count in India so far, as of yet. And I cannot stress this enough in the exact same way that I was hollering this about Brazil over and over and over again. There's nothing special about the failure in Brazil or India. It's fun for Americans to tut and shake their fingers. It really is. But the downward spiral of things that, that happens economically, when entire systems of, of, of economics just stop, the way that people feed their family just stop, and I'm not talking about lockdowns here. I'm talking about the river of money that comes in and out of your life that you have very little control over, very little control over. We all do our best, but we all also get lucky, good and bad. And we have very little control over this big old river of money flowing around the globe. And the poorest and the most desperate Indians, Brazilians, anywhere in the world. They are going to have to do what they have to do to, to survive. They well swim harder. They well swim upstream in this metaphor. Not only is it kind of drastic to think about what if India just has, let's just, we're, we're, I'm, I'm, I want to go to the lower side and go with like 2 million, <laughs> lower, right? Six to seven times the death count, not towards the 14 end of the perspective, but like 2 million. It's a nice round number, right? <sighs> that 2 million, by and large, all died this year. They had deaths in 2020. But that two millions this year, whatever you think the number is, greater than 300,000, majority of them are probably this year. Can't shake it out yet, but they probably are. They probably are. The worst thing is about everything that was done in this estimate Again, great article. Really, really recommend it for anybody who wants to get into the nuts and bolts of like how reporters are trying to determine excessive mortality right now. Really, really good at, at that. The problem is, is that we're constantly, constantly, constantly getting news about how COVID's deadlier than we thought. COVID was deadlier in Nigeria than we thought. We report it was great, and then we found out it was actually horrible. Actually, they were closer to 2% in parts of Nigeria. Ah, fuck. We said it was great. Whoops. Turns out a lot of those deaths were lagged. <laughs> Turns out that that's not the most primarily important thing to a lot of the bean counters out there. Who could have seen it coming? So when I, when I say that, you know, 4 million dead so far in India, that's assuming like a half a percentage point of fatalities. What this means is, one... A lot of people in India fucking died. And two, a lot more fucking could. Vaccinations are not. They're not getting the mRNAs out there. Okay, kiddos? So, even if you think mRNAs are a silver bullet against these goddamn werewolves, they don't have them. <laughs> if 
COVID kills about 1% of the Indians in facts. Then we're talking about 6 to 8 million already dead. I can't stress enough that COVID is continually showing that it peaks up. That does, in fact, kill pretty, pretty reliably, after all said and done, a pretty good chunk of fucking people. And everybody who talks about how low the mortality rate is when everything's working and all the lights are on, well, that's great. How many hospital beds per person are there on the planet again? So, it just doesn't seem unreasonable to me that it could be much higher, or that it would get much higher, or that but for some mutation, some mistake, some sleight of hand, some fortune, it would be. It's, it's, it's really not hard to imagine that it would be twice as bad. It's almost unfathomable to imagine it be any worse in a way. But with everything we know about COVID now, the idea that it kills one in 200 people this time around, but it could have killed one in 100 or more, that is not an unreasonable stance when we're watching systemic hospital collapse, when we're watching cylinders of oxygen being marched down the street by soldiers to <laughs> goddamn hotel palaces for the Supreme Court. What a nightmare that country fucking is right now. I have such sympathy. I have such empathy. Um, we talked about the subcontinent, Nepal, uh, Bangladesh, these countries, uh, even on Everest now, just massive, massive spikes. Just massive, massive spikes. In the exact same way, it's just plowing through South America right now as well. Brazil got it. South America's got it. Still just getting hammered, baby. Not in the American sphere at all. Too much to talk about. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess a little bit of levity, levity is needed. Thank you so much for uh, dealing with that. Uh, so here's not like fun uh, or anything like that. But this is some good news, and this put this, this put a little smile on on Daddy's face here, uh, reading about this one. Uh, I I will just go ahead and read you the uh, story. It's very short. Had COVID, you'll probably make antibodies for a lifetime. Many people who have been infected with SARS-CoV-2 will probably make antibodies against the virus for most of their lives. So suggest researchers who have identified long-lived antibody-producing cells in the bone marrow of people who have recovered from COVID-19. The study provides evidence that immunology triggered by SARS-CoV-2. SARS You'd think I would just say that by now. Infection will be extraordinarily long-lasting. Adding to the good news, the implications are that the vaccines will have the same durable effect, says Menno Van Zlem, an immunologist at Monarch uh, University in Melbourne, Australia. Antibodies, proteins that can recognize to help and inactivate viral particles, are a key immune defense. After a new infection, short-lived cells called plasmablasts, doesn't that sound awesome, like a fucking card from Slay the Spire, are an early source of antibodies. But these cells recede soon after a virus is cleared from the body, and other longer-lasting cells make antibodies. Ah, oh, but wait. Memory B cells patrol the blood for reinfection, while the bone marrow plasma cells, BMPCs, hide away within bones, trickling out antibodies for decades. 
A plasma cell is in our life history in terms of the pathogens we've been exposed to, said Ali Elibedi, a B-cell immunologist at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, who has led the study published in Nature on the 24th of May. Researchers presumed that SARS-CoV-2 infection would trigger development of BMPCs, nearly all viral infections do, but there have been signs that severe COVID-19 may disrupt the cell's formation. Some early COVID-19 immunity studies also stoked worries when they found out that their antibody levels plunged not long after recovery. Elibedi's team tracked tracked antibody production in 77 people who recovered from mostly mild cases of COVID-19. As expected, SARS-CoV-2 antibodies plummeted in the four months after infection, but this decline slowed. And up to 11 months after infection, the researchers could still detect antibodies that recognized the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. To identify the sources of these antibodies, Elibody's team collected memory B cells and bone marrow from a subset of participants. Seven months after developing symptoms, most of these participants still had memory B cells that recognized SARS-CoV-2. In 15 of the 28 bone marrow samples, the scientists found ultra-low but detectable populations of BMPCs, whose formulation has been triggered by the individual's coronavirus infections seven to eight months before. Levels of these cells were stable in all five people who gave another a bone marrow sample several months later. Once again, levels of these cells were stable in all five people who gave another bone marrow sample several months later. Quote, this is a very important observation given claims of dwindling SARS-CoV-2 antibodies, says Rafi Ahmed, an immunologist at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, whose team co-discovered the cells in the late 1990s. What's not clear is what antibody levels will look like in the long term and whether they offer any real protection, Ahmed adds. We're early in the game. We're not looking at five years, ten years after the infection. Eldenberry's team has observed early signs that Pfizer's mRNA vaccine should trigger the production of the same cells, but the persistence of antibody production, whether elicited by a vaccination or infection, does not ensure long-lasting immunity to COVID-19. The ability of some emerging SARS-CoV-2 variants to blunt the protective effects of antibodies means that additional immunizations may be needed to restore levels. My presumption is, says Elibedi, we will need a booster. Now, that may not sound like really great news, but honestly, that just sounds fantastic uh, to me. It's music to my ears, and I'll just submit as a layman. Perhaps I'm getting things a little bit wrong, but why this is so fantastic. In addition to really studying antibody response after uh, confirmed infections and see what that's like, it's been so confusing. It's like it's almost like eating an egg in the 90s or not if it was going to make your goddamn heart explode. Like, if you eat that egg, you're going to fucking die. Like, a lot of people really thought that shit. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so hard to explain from where you're at now, potentially if you're outside of the lipid hypothesis zone in the world. <laughs> but... Uh, forgive me. That is that is a little bit of a, 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 of a, of a, a segue. I'm, just, I'm very excited about this. This is the fun part of the show. In layman's terms... Now that we've really started to examine, okay, the antibodies fall off here, about here, this is when the infection comes back, that's going to help us so much in making predictions on what to do in the future. I know COVID's over, so we don't need to make any predictions about what to do in the future, but just hypothetically, should airports need to be shut down or lockdowns need to be resumed or should healthcare systems fall, even in first world countries, I, I shouldn't use that terminology more, even in well-infrastructured with health and electricity countries, um, 
this this is really going to be much better evidence for predicting how bad and where it's going to be. The knowing knowing when and where the antibody response drops off so significantly, really exploring how we can reboost it with either vaccines or infections. This is this is the mechanics of medicine. I don't understand medicine. I'm not an immunologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. I make no pretense or claims. But I do understand that the more they understand, and the less they're scratching behind their goddamn right earlobes, which is such a goddamn science tale, you all do it. Do they teach it? Do all the professors make it happen? Is it just like lab goggle safety? Such a tell. Anyway, at, from the bottom of my heart, fucking around just a little bit, from the bottom of my heart, this is great. They seem to be so much more confident and on the path of what's causing it. I reported not too long ago that there are all these theories about why long COVID. These, these are the things that help. With that as well. Knowing where, the, knowing where it's hiding and where the activation could be and what might be triggering it. Yeah, that's only going to help with two of the six theories, but it's going to help either anchor them or get them out. And every theory, every guess that we have, out, lets the good information, the good progress, and the good research in. Here is research that says we are going to have protection after we get infected. And we're going to have the ability, deep in our bone marrow to go ahead and reintroduce a bunch of antibodies if we need them. How are we going to do it? Is it vaccines? Are we going to try and be very careful as a society, more careful this time around with reinfections? Who gets reinfected? How many people? When and where? What we do when somebody gets infected? These are all possibilities. It's, it's very, very cool to see just in one article, in one study, just a lot of things come together that uh, you know, even a year ago, were just total question marks. Did you hear that Bojo wanted a news show in which Kovo would be injected to his blood-o? Because that shit's just beyond belief, isn't it? That shit's so crazy that there's no way that it's not real. That's the kind of shit where I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Guys, that doesn't even make sense for a Parkinson and Rec like DVD discard joke. There's no way anyone's buying this. Let's try it again. <laughs> Guys, come on. Focus. Focus, writer's room. Come on. No. <laughs> that's that's dumber than the first episode of Black Mirror, and I need you to understand what I'm saying when I say that. <laughs> that is I mean I I've always suspected that he was dumb. I keep hearing, like, no, he, he's actually very smart. He went to this great school, and it's all this act. I've met people who went to really great schools. They're very dumb. Kurt Vonnegut, and I want to say Cat's Cradle, calls them the uneducationable. The, un- the uneducation... The uneducationable? Boy, why can't I say that word? Uh, and it's not because they don't have... It's because they have the resources that you can't educate them. They don't give a shit. They have no motivation. They're not there because they love it. They just want the degree. They're, you can't educate them. Uh, lots, lots of this is something. I mean, lots of people have with wealth or the curse of knowledge or just raw fucking ego. Uh, a lot of people naturally get to this level where they they just they just nothing really seeps in and nothing gets in. <laughs> and I I have to admit that hearing hearing Bojo talk about this it has to be real i just in my heart if they if this is proven in any way to be a fake you got me i'll i'll take it 
<laughs> Sucker one. Um, but just just a couple of questions, kind of like the Tarshian Empire that I have for you guys on this one. Just a couple of quick questions for you guys. Uh, number one. Do you think when he suggested that, that he knew that even if he was going to die from it, that it wouldn't happen on camera? <laughs> Number two, do you think anybody in the room was like, you mean you want to be injected with a vaccine or a cure to see that there's nothing to be afraid of? And Bojo was like, no, no, God damn it. I want to be injected with Krona. Distill it, put it in my veins. And they just had to recalibrate real quick. They have to be like, okay, I am in 10 Downing Street. I cannot say what I'm thinking right now. I gotta, I gotta keep this shit together. Come on, man. You survived all the different Brexits. You can survive this one, you little Tory fucker. <laughs> no sympathy. Uh, number three. He didn't get injected with it on live TV. And he had a serious hospitalization because his ass is fat. Do you think, do you think that if he had been injected, I know that this is just so far-fetched, but do you think if Bojo had asked to be infected publicly and got it and had to go in the ventilator, that he would then be human in some way? Do you think then that would do it? I know it's such a, like, I know it's really far out there, but like, Pinocchio came a real boy because a fish ate him and he met a fairy. Surely, surely there's a way to make Pojo a real boy. Don't you think? <sighs> Lastly, on a personal note, everyone is still wearing a mask at the gym at 2 a.m. And it fucking makes me so happy. I go into the gym, I work out, there's often nobody there. But if there is somebody there, lately, they've all still been in a mask. They've all had their fucking masks on. And when you ventilate at the gym, your mask really fucking moves. My glasses fog up and all kinds of shit. I feel so fucking hot. I feel so fucking hot and good at this time of my life as I complete my late night gym sessions. I get in my shower afterwards. I stretch. I listen to music on my phone, Spotify, like I'm a human being. I used to never do that. Bathing was always the ritual. Now I just put on music and sing whenever the fuck's on. I think about trying to relax and record in there. Uh, li life, is, uh, life is going pretty okay. And seeing bros at the gym uh, who are not the most liberal people, I'm just going to say, in my experience, uh, wearing them masks makes me pretty fucking happy. There's nobody there. there nobody's forcing them or anything. It's late at night. There's no attendant. And uh, the mask compliance and discipline has been pretty fucking great. When I see that, as I did tonight, I just I got this close to taking a picture of me behind my masks at the gym on my way out the door, just feeling so good with my beautiful blue piercing eyes uh, ready to go into the night. And I do think that with my shape and my body and the way everything looks when I catch myself in those mirrors right before uh, heading out, I think I'm just so hot. <laughs> I do. There's an episode of Will and Grace where Eric... I think that's his name, Eric McCormick? Like the Spice? I'm so bad with names. I don't know. He's a very... All four of the major... Four cast members are very attractive, physically people of Will and Grace, no matter how awful that show is or whatever jokes they make about, like, Deborah Messing's bust. Uh, 
All, all four of those people are extremely attractive, but just one day, like, the sitcom premise, because they had to knock out 25-plus fucking episodes a year, one day the sitcom was just like, Will from Will and Grace realizes, hey, I'm very attractive. The gay guy competing in a gay scene in New York City who can get a different super hot guy every week is all like, finally, years into the show, he's all like, I'm very attractive. I'm a very attractive man. <laughs> and I am not a Will and Grace fan, that, plus Megan Mullaney's fucking sarcasm, that was just some of the hardest I ever fucking laughed at that goddamn show, though. Like, I legitimately, like, that whole, every time it, it's like, this is so stupid. How could somebody so attractive not know they're so attractive? <laughs> so anyways, that's who I am these days. Ah, uh, this is a chance. This is a trial. I was trying to format things a little bit better. I really, 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 really am just kind of trying to hang on and keep everything going until vacation time. I'm hoping that just hiking, that getting laid, that just spending time doing nothing, reading a book, reading a fucking book. I haven't read a book in so many years. I'm just going to read a fucking book, not a nonfiction book. I've been reading books about oranges and fucking apples and fucking trade and fucking medicine for a goddamn year and a half. (laughs) I'm just going to read a book. Just a book. Maybe I'll tell you about it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I don't know, it's not for you. It's for me to read the book on vacation. Relax. My beer is not available out there. I know, I've checked. (laughs) So I'll have to try a new beer. I'll have all kinds of new experiences, and I'm hoping to come back from it just really, really relaxed. Again, it's sometime in June, keeping it loose. Um, But that's, that's, that's the good stuff in my life. That's what I'm holding on for. That's what's keeping me on and going. I hope stuff is keeping you on and going. I wish I had a recipe to share this week, but uh, steak was on sale for a real good price. So that's what I was eating. And what I can't wait to jump up and start now is the taters for steak. No, 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 no. It's going to be good. Uh, I think I think that's it. I think that's COVID update number. I don't give a shit. I'm so sorry there's so many of these. I'm so sorry Planned America is in a crazy place right now. I have said a lot of aggressive and angry things over the course of this in my depression, in my vulnerability. You all have collectively been just wonderful at allowing me to vent and be vulnerable and, 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 and real about what I was thinking and feeling. As you can probably tell... Uh, getting back to the gym all the time and like we're working out and like, you know, eating clean. I hate that phrase, but like, you know, eating unprocessed food and what have you. It seems to be working pretty good for me. So I guess I'm going to keep trying it for a while. All right, guys, that's it. I am the Grey Knight. And I will ride against this goddamn army as long and hard as I need to. Tilt just right up the center of that goddamn windmill. Ladies and gentlemen, the Empire is under siege. Won't you do your part? Find an empty barrel and roll it all around town. Until next time.